Another Sunday will be the debut, so I won't steal that thunder. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, we are starting a new series that I'm excited about, and we're entitling it Created for Impact. And, and the idea behind the series is just that, that um, God created us for a purpose. And that may sound elementary, but when that gets into your bones, it really changes everything. And, um, you know, if Ephesians uh, chapter 2 talks about us being created as his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for a purpose. We're going somewhere. And, and so over the next three or four weeks, uh, we're going to really kind of be unpacking what does it look like to live a life of significance, right, um, and instead of just success. Uh, a lot of people are going after success in life, but what does it look like to be significant? And is there a difference? And how can we live a life where we lay our head down on the pillow and go, man, I gave my all today for something eternal, something lasting, something that made a difference. It was significant. And that's why I love um, being a part of Heart of Compassion and, and all that that stands for with the whole team of people that are giving into something that's important, that's significant. And, and that's really the heart of this church is that we empower each of us to be able to use our gifts, talents, and passions in and outside of these walls to do something impactful for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Come on. I want to be a part of that. Yes. Right, Nathan? So I want to start by reading 2 Chronicles chapter 34. This is an amazing story, and we're just going to unpack it a little bit by um, a, a guy named Josiah. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestors, David. But during the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the Lord. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you want to do, what you want to speak. And I pray that we would have ears to hear. God, that this wouldn't just be another Sunday where we can give out flyers, flowers and celebrate, but Lord, that you would start something, ignite something in our lives, and we would hear you calling us to something greater, something bigger, something of significance. And in those places in our lives where we discount our role or our impact or our abilities, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come alongside us and remind us of who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the King destined for incredible things. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, in a time when everyone's kind of going after success, um, and everyone does that in different ways, and then you see the younger generation, and I don't know if you ever hop on YouTube, I feel like it's replaced TV in some homes, certainly in our home. Our kids love to watch YouTube, and all the influencers on YouTube, and how many views they get for doing really silly things. Uh, my son likes to watch uh, one guy, uh, his name is... Um, can't even remember. It's that silly. He gets like 40 million views on, you know, just like saying, hi, everybody, and, you know, doing something, picking his boogers or something. And he's like, yeah, you know, 40 million views. You know, it's just so silly. But again, it's like this world we live in. It's like, hey, how can I get the most amount of likes, the most amount of influences, the most amount of, of promotion out there? And kind of this is what our world is, is going after. And not to say that it's all bad, but at the root of it is going after success. And, and we're after something altogether different. 
We're after a lasting, selfless, God-glorifying, Holy Spirit-empowered impact with a big capital impact. Like, we are after that. I know that's in your heart. That's in my heart because God placed it there. And he created you for that. And sometimes we feel like because of our past and because of the things that we went through, somehow we're discounted from that huge impact. Maybe there was a point in your life where maybe you believed like, okay, yeah, God has called me to something great, but then life happens. And then we just like, nah, I guess I'm just going to post up and settle for just getting by and keeping my head above water and not getting into trouble. But God has created you for something more. And when Jesus came into your life, he redeems all of that. And he restores you back to the original intent. That's what, that's what the word reconciliation means. He has given you that ministry to help people, restore people back to the original intent that God had for you and others. And so we get to walk in that. God had some original intent to be meaningful in this life. And man, I'll tell you what, I want to be a part of that. And I want to get together with a bunch of friends and be a part of that. And maybe we can just change the world. Mm. This impact shines brightest when seen in the next generation. Heather and I had the privilege of being youth pastors for over 15 years. Um, many of you have heard my story. I thought I was just kind of be land there forever. And that was a misguided uh, passion and misguided truth in my life that I was just going to be a youth pastor forever. But what, what wasn't misguided was that my passion, Heather and I's passion for the next generation, for young people grabbing a hold of God and running after Him. And so um, today's Mother's Day. And though this message is not all about moms, it's certainly um, sponsored and promoted um, and inspired by them. Because the role of mom is so incredible. In a world where it's sort of discounting that role a little bit, it is so incredibly important. The role of dad, the role of aunt, uncle, the role of grandma, grandpa. It is so incredibly important. Why? Because impact shines brightest in the next generation. Because guess what? You won't always be here. The death rate's still hovering right at about 100%. But, but something will outlast you, right? And, and, and that's the next generation. And, and, and I loved walking through the uh, Holy Land and going to Israel. And many of us are going to have an opportunity to go in 2022. But one of the things that struck me when I, when I was able to, to walk through Jerusalem is after visiting all of the epic things that were built by King Herod and, 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 and um, you know, Nehemiah's wall and David and Solomon and all these things that were built, like stone upon stone, what hit me was Jesus spent 33 years here and transformed the world. And 2,000 years later, our lives are still different. And you know how many things he built? Zero. There's not a single rock upon another rock that you can go to Israel right now and go, that, Jesus, he actually built that. He constructed that. That's amazing. No. He built people. He invested in people that would outlast him. And that's what we get to be a part of. 
The church is not a structure, although this is a really cool space. But one day we won't be in this space, but we'll still be a church if we invest in one another. And that's this whole idea of like our role in the next generation and moms. It doesn't matter how, like, how old your kids are, whether they're still little ones or they're grown and gone. How many know you're always a mom? And your role is so significant. Our role is so significant. Sometimes it's, it's a biological mom or dad. And sometimes it's just somehow kids, younger generation, have just sort of appeared in your life, right? And, and you have an opportunity to make the greatest impact in somebody's life. So we're going to look at Josiah. Josiah was an incredible person. He was a young person that absolutely transformed a nation and if you have an opportunity to read that whole chapter uh, in the following, I encourage you to do it because Josiah, at a very young age, had an extraordinary clarity about the assignment that God had given him. Um, but, what, but something that took place in that first um, verse that we read, verse chap, uh, chapter 34, verse 1 through 3, it says, Josiah, when he was eight, he became king, and he did what was, what was right. And listen, when, when our, our kids are just now kind of getting into that teenage years, but up until now, we've really been focusing on just, just obey, right? Just do what I'm asking you to do. Any parents with me, just, just don't make a mess, right? Come on, just come along, work with me here, right? Help me help you. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's a lot of what life is when, when kids are little, and you do your best, right? And you're just... You're just barely keeping your head above water. And you're trying to follow, you know, giving them an example they can follow and setting an atmosphere where they can learn about the Lord. And, but at the end of the day, it's really about hoping that they just do good, be good. But there comes a point. There came a point in your life. There came a point in my life. And there came a point in Josiah's life where you have to move past just doing good. Just doing the right thing. And it says in the next verse that Josiah, during the eighth year of his reign, which means he was 16 years old. Can you imagine that? At 16, you've already been the king for eight years. At 16 years old, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the Lord. See, there was a shift in his life. There was a shift, a Holy Ghost shift, going from, I'm just going to do the right things, I'm going to behave. I'm going to just sort of try to modify my behavior to do the right things to, it's about a heart transformation now. I'm going to begin to seek the Lord here for me, not for my parents, right? Not for my ancestors, not because it's what's right, but because God's doing something new in my heart and now I'm pivoting and I'm shifting. And that happened in my life when I was young. And listen, I made a ton of mistakes when I was young. Uh, but, but I can tell you that, that, that my walk with God always goes back to when I was 12 years old and God did something new in my heart and it was at a heart level that I fell in love with Jesus and I understood his love for me and there was a pivot. And I'll pray for that pivot every single day that I'm, that I'm able to be a father and a pastor, that our young people have a pivot that they have that moment where they begin to seek the Lord. It goes past just like, yeah, mom and dad, I'm doing what you're asking me to do and I'm making good choices and I'm going to church, but there's something happening in my life and I'm beginning to understand how good God is and how I can have a personal relationship with him. And so this whole thing is about leading young people to the place where they have that moment. 
Because once you taste and see that he's good, everything changes. We can get our kids to obey, but the, but the real impact comes when they choose. Everybody say, they choose. It's a choice. You have it. I have it. And it's at a heart level. Yeah, I choose today. I choose. Because God is good. I choose. I get to have this incredible relationship with God. This is a supernatural work. And uh, we can't, we have no control over this work. So please, relieve yourself of the pressure to manufacture that pivot. Because it's impossible. You can preach all the sermons you want to your kids. Right? You can, you can shove the Bible down their throat. But, but they choose. That moment, it's theirs and theirs alone. And that's why it's beautiful. And that's why it's supernatural. And that's why this is a Holy Spirit move of God on our young people. So they choose. This is the moment that we pray for. But there is some things we can do. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about our, our opportunity. The opportunity that Josiah led the way for because he had extraordinary clarity about his assignment to lead the way for a generation. As a 16-year-old boy, he had this clarity. And for the rest of his reign, which was a long time, he knew he had an amazing opportunity to pave the way for a whole nation, a generation, to see a pivot, to begin to seek the Lord. And just maybe we have that same opportunity. Psalm 78, I love this, verse 4 and 7 says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and of his mighty deeds. So each generation can set its hope anew. Your hope is not good enough for your kid's hope. Each generation anew. It's fresh. It's new. It's this vibrant new thing that God is doing. And so on this Mother's Day, man, I want to I wanna celebrate you. I want to commission us. Come on, let's, let's jump on this opportunity that we have to lead the way in this incredible life of impact. And as I said, there's not a whole lot you can do, but there are some things you can do. And I want us to recognize something that we're going to see in the life of Josiah, and I'm going to unpack, give you three ideas. But the first thing that, that is so important that you and I understand is this, and it'll be up on the screen. The greatest gift that we can give our kids isn't something that we give them at all. It's a life lived for them to see. Listen, of all the things that we could do for our kids, man, I mean, just make a list. Like, just make a dream list. Man, I wish I could buy them a house. I wish I could provide for them. I wish I could give them an amazing education. I wish I, I, wish I could do all of these things. Any parents with me, right? The list is long, right? If, if I could have a dream list of the things I could give my kids, I would do it. You would do it in a heartbeat. But the greatest thing that you will ever give your kids, and I don't care if they're 40 or 4, the greatest thing you will ever give them is your life lived out. Because they're watching. 
They're watching. And I'll tell you what, in a fatherless, motherless, you know, lock key generation that is wandering and looking for someone to follow, they are watching, they are looking. There's so few. The Bible says that there are many teachers and few fathers, few mothers, few people who are leading the way saying, watch me. Listen, watch me in the highs and lows. Watch me in the difficulties. Watch me in my failures. Watch me learn how to get hurt and then forgive. Watch me how to run after God and live for him. Watch me. Come on with me. Let's do this together. That is the greatest gift you will ever give the next generation is you. You follow after him. You fall in love with him. Because if you say it and you don't do it, you're just going to be like another adult that this generation's looking at and saying, you don't, really, you don't really buy that. You're selling, but you're not using. So no, I don't want that. I want something real. I want something that's transformative. And when it changes your life, they go, what's going on? Something going on in my mom, something going on in my dad that's extraordinary, and I want some of that. Trust me, they're watching. So the first idea is this. Josiah, man, he was set on fire by the living word of God. This is an incredible story of this this guy who literally looks around and sees a nation and the Bible is altogether gone. Josiah himself didn't even really know about it. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, and it won't be up on the screen, I'm just going to read it. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people, and there the king read to them the entire book. He read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the temple. He got so excited, that he got everyone together, and he read the whole thing. I mean, talk about fire hose, right? Like, I won't do that to you today. Can you imagine, like, today we're going to literally read the whole thing. (laughs) Buckle up, right? No bathroom breaks. He was just so excited about it because Josiah realized that there's a generation growing up that don't know about the Bible, that haven't encountered the transformational power of the Bible. Nothing can replace this book. Not a sermon, not a blog, not even the good books that we read, we go through our our small group for. Those are the catalysts for this book. This book is the only living and active book on the planet. It is alive. It is Jesus. It is your direct connection to your relationship with God, to that pivot. It's the only thing. This right here. So listen, don't, don't ever hear us as a church because we like reading good books. Hear us say that that ever can replace us digging into this thing. This is so powerful. There's a guy by the name of Jimmy that I want to uh, tell a quick story about. When, I was, uh, when Heather and I were junior high pastors in San Antonio, this was early, early on, and there was a, a kid named Jimmy, and he was uh, in seventh grade. And Jimmy, um, I didn't know that much about him, and just like every youth group, there's always a few kids except in our youth group, because all your kids are amazing. But, uh, but, but in most youth groups, there, there, there are occasionally some kids that are just a little difficult. <laughs> and um, just, you know, like a little more, more grace required kind of kids. And, and Jimmy, Lord bless him, he just got on everyone's nerves. 
just a really difficult kid. And I didn't know him very well. He had just started coming, but just one of those kids just pushes everybody's buttons. And, and he, would always, he was always the last one to get picked up. So like we would do it an event. And it's like, hey, it's, it ends at 8. So most parents are picking up. By 8.15, everyone's gone except Jimmy. And Jimmy's there at 8.45, 9 o'clock. It's like, Jimmy, are your parents going? Yeah, my parents are going to come. Do you know their phone number? No, I don't know their phone number. I'm like, well, shoot. Well, I'm going to get their phone number next time because this is ridiculous. Finally, he gets picked up every time, right? This was Jimmy. So I started a small group, and, and I, I really felt like I was supposed to invite um, Jimmy to this small group, and I met at Barnes & Noble. So I had the parents drop the, the little junior higher. So I had like four boys and Jimmy. So five boys in this little small group, and, and we just like went through the Bible, just like picked a book. And again, I had only been a youth pastor for a couple years, so I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, hey, let's read the Bible together. And I remember sitting down, the first uh, ever small group, and... Uh, Jimmy didn't have a Bible. And I asked specifically, like, hey, you guys need to bring your Bible to the small group because we're doing a Bible study. All the other kids, we did the Bible study. Jimmy's sitting there. He's just, you know, twiddling his thumbs because cell phones weren't really invented back then. So he didn't have a cell phone, so he was just didn't doing nothing. So at the end of the small group, I go, Jimmy, I really need you to bring you. I was kind of like laying into him, right, because this is a troubled kid, you know, tough love, totally wrong move, you know, rookie move on my part. But I was like, Jimmy, you really need to bring your Bible. And he just kind of like teared up a little bit. And he's like, I don't have a Bible, you know. And I'm like, you don't, who doesn't have a Bible, right? And uh, he goes, no, I don't have a Bible. So I said, all right, we're going we're gonna to fix that right now. So we walked to ba- the back of Barnes & Noble. And we're looking in the, like the Christian section, right? And there's like a few Bible options. I'm like, hey, pick one. He's like, seriously? And I'm like, yeah, pick one. So he grabs the Bible and um, and, you know, the, after the, a few months later, as we're kind of journeying together and he's a part of our, our study, I realized that, that he, was, um, he was adopted and he lived with uh, a family that he had only been living with for a couple of years. And um, it was just like a really, really hard life that he was having. And so, you know, we got to care for him and love on him. But honestly, I mean, honestly... I, I really didn't think I was making all that much of an impact, right? I mean, seventh grader, right? How, how, much, how much can you really get through to a seventh grader that's bouncing off the walls, pushing everyone's buttons, right? Having like moments of brilliance with, you know, mostly disaster. And, um, and I remember getting to the end of that season of two years youth pastoring and just feeling like I, I didn't do a whole lot, especially with Jimmy. Just didn't get a whole, didn't, didn't get anywhere. And Heather and I, were um, moving two years later uh, to Washington to take another youth pastorate. I'll never forget, we're standing in the sanctuary, and all the junior hires, is a pretty big youth group, so there's like 100 junior hires you know, surrounding us, and they were all you know, kind of like you know, just praying for us as we leave. And um, in the middle of that prayer, Jimmy, who at the, at the time now is in ninth grade, Jimmy steps up and he starts praying, and he starts crying, and he goes, thank you so much for shaming Heather. They didn't know this, but I had, I had decided to commit suicide. And I had my pills laid out. And then I went to a Bible study, and somebody gave me a Bible. And that day when I went home, I started reading it. And I changed my mind. And I decided that maybe life's worth living. You never know. You never know. 
the moments when you think you're making no difference at all. You're not getting through. Have you ever had that moment with your child where it's like, this is going right over the head, right? Like nothing is getting through here. You never know those seeds that are being planted there, making a lasting impact. And can I tell you what it was? It wasn't my brilliant move. It was the Holy Spirit leading me to give this young man this. Why? Because this is the connection. This is the, this is the red hot connection to the Holy Spirit. Like this is the outlet in there. That if you touch, you're going to get zapped. Like you open this up, you're going to get zapped by a relationship and a connection with the Lord. I promise you. And it may not happen the first time, and it may not happen every time, but I promise you, if you dedicate yourself to this word, you're going to get lit up with this amazing relationship with God, and we can't ever replace it. 44 books, authors, 66 books, and every word speaks of Jesus. So listen, the reality is we're competing with screens, right? In our life, and especially the next generation, the last thing kids want to do is pick up this Bible, pick up any book for that matter. They're playing video games, they're looking on their phones, they're screen, 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 screen. And I don't have a solve for that. I'm working that out in my own home, right? Here's what I'm going to do. Ready? I'm going to put my screen away. I'm going to pick up my Bible. And I'm going I'm to get lit on fire for the Word of God. And I'm going to model that in my home. I'm going to model that for everybody I come in contact with. And I'm going to leave the rest up to the Lord. Holy Spirit, use my life to pave the way and to lead the way that there is something else that's so much better than the latest lame game on an iPhone. It's called the living word of God. And it changed my life. And it changed your life. And it will change their life too. Let's just keep opening it. Let's just keep digging in. Let's not forget this. This is not old. It's not outdated. It's new. It's fresh today. It's so important. I took way too long on that point, but it was so good. (laughs) Number two, Josiah removed generational strongholds. Oh, this is so good. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, Josiah removed all detestable idols from the entire land of Israel. Throughout the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord. Guys, this is like, if you read the Old Testament, the, the narrative basically is people turn away from God and they make idols. Like That's the narrative. It's rare in the Old Testament to see a king where it says, and they did what was good in the sight of the Lord. Most of the time, it says the opposite about the king. But Josiah, for his whole lifetime, he not only got set on fire by the word of God, but he just said, you know what? He started looking around. He started walking the streets, and he's just seeing these idols and seeing these people worship this stuff. And he's just like, I'm done tolerating this stuff. So I'm going to draw a bloodline right here and we're not going to let this sin, this oppression, this struggle, this addiction, this anxiety, it stops now. I'm not passing that on to the next generation. So we're done. And sometimes you just have to get like frustrated. You ever just like, you ever, sometimes the best things in life come with just, I'm just, I'm fed up now. I'm angry enough to do something about it. And Josiah, he just said, you know what? We're done with the idols. We're done giving the enemy a place in our life and we are, we are saying, no, I'm not passing this on. What my parents struggled with, 
And what I struggle with, my kids are not struggling with that. We're done. And I don't care how old your kids are. It's never too late as the father, as the mother, as the grandma, as the grandpa to go, no, we're done here. Our family, we are not passing that on anymore. Ephesians chapter 6 says that our weapons are, 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 are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are those generational things, those lies, those things that keep us bound. And you are powerful and strong. You got everything you need inside of you to make that, that firm line in the sand. The problem is we, we forget that this was a response. Josiah first found... The word. He began to seek the Lord. He got lit up on fire. And then, and then, and then he started looking around and went, wait a minute. Man, we gotta, we gotta start doing something about this. Because my relationship with God is so white hot right now, I ain't got time for this stuff anymore. This stuff here, this stuff that's just clutter now. Because I've tasted how good God is. And so my response is, no, we're moving on. And I love this, this verse. It's always been like a staple verse for the next generation that I think is so good. In 2 Timothy, it's easy to remember because it's 2 Timothy 2, 22, a lot of twos. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. I think that it's easy as parents and grandparents that, that we focus on the flee youthful lusts. Flee bad things. Don't, don't, don't focus on the bad things. But look at how much of the verse is focused on the other stuff. Right? It's, it's proportionate. Flee, it's like, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't do that stuff. But let me tell you what we get to do. Right? Let me tell you what life is about. And what we talk about in our home is that we have a giant yes. I don't want to have a no culture. This is like, this is not what we do. Right? Why? Because we're Christians and we're proper and this is what we do. No, we have a giant yes. You know what that yes is? We got the greatest life we could possibly live, a life of meaning and impact lit up by the word of God, the love of God in our heart. And so when that happens, all that other stuff, it just becomes noise. The best defense is a good offense. The best way to stay away from this is, guys, girls, moms, dads, this, this applies to you and me. The best way to stay away from the stuff that, that wants to suck you away, the best way to stay away from that stuff is to know what you're for and go after it. I'm not standing around going, oh, I hope I don't screw up today. <laughs> hope I don't fall in that hole again. I'm going to work really hard to avoid that hole. In fact, that hole is going to take up all of my time and energy because I'm just so focused on avoiding it. No, that's, that's living as a giant no. What a bummer. Talk about Eeyore. I want to live a giant yes. This is what I get to do. Uh, and so I'm so focused on what we get to do that the, that the pothole is a non-issue now, right? Anybody with me? This is what the generation needs. Lastly, we're going to land on this. Josiah brought back church without religion. I love this point. And frankly, I had never seen it before. I'd never seen this in this story because I always, I always stopped before I got to, to chapter 35 because 34 is like the whole deal. But when you get to chapter 35, something really interesting happens. And I actually want to read the scripture up on the screen because it's so cool. It says this, Now Josiah kept the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem. 
So this whole, the whole chapter is about Passover, which is like, okay, you read a lot about the Passover in the Old Testament, but it's really significant in this context because previous to this chapter, there really wasn't much going on in terms of Passover. They, they, they weren't even reading the word. They were just, you know, uh, worshiping idols. So he, he, he uncovers the word, clears out the idols, and then goes, you know what's next? Church. We're going to bring back church. It's this incredible festival. Then he said to the Levites who taught Israel, put the ark in the house which Solomon the son of David built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Now you can serve the Lord your God and his people. Josiah saw a lot of activity, but they were totally missing the point. They were missing the point of Jesus and people. What it says here, now you can serve the Lord and his people. And I can tell you, the next generation's pretty much given up on church. I mean, let's be honest. And, 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 and moving forward the next 20 years, what church looks like is really going to depend on how we pivot on what does this really look like? What is this really about? Because a lot of churches and a lot of people are focused carrying the ark around. And they're so busy doing their church stuff and their religious stuff that they ain't got no time for people in God. Right? We're, we're just doing church. We're doing all of our stuff. And the, gener- and, and the next generation is going, what are y'all doing? You look so silly carrying that thing around, and you have no time. You know what they didn't have time for? The Passover. You know what the Passover represents? Oh, I don't know, the redemptive work of the cross, right? That's the whole deal. It's God and what he does in people. I wrote this. The priests had no time for God and people because they were too busy being spiritual. So I guess the question for us is, have I made time and made room for the whole thing, the whole enchilada? It's about my relationship with God and it's about his precious people. And the minute that we move past that being the whole thing, we have totally lost our way and we're starting to carry around the ark again and feeling really awesome about it. And the next generation's like, I can't carry that. That's like Saul's armor. Like, I just can't, I can't do that. But, but I want something real. And so can we just put the ark where it belongs? Because it's easy to just be busy, right? The, the, the priests were busy. They had a lot of activity going. And I don't know, have, have you ever been a part of a church where it's just like, there's lots of activity? But I don't, I don't know if there, how much like, are we connecting? Is there something meaningful? Is there something there? Are there, are there adults? Are there visitors and next generation looking on and going, wow, like that's amazing. You have some connection and you have something there. And it's not just activity. It's not just a full calendar of events. But it's life. It's life. And it's about God and it's about people. And what Josiah said is like, stop with the busyness. Come on, let's get back to what it's all about and this is what we get to do and this is what we get to hand off. This is heart church. 
And listen, this, I'm not saying the Heart Church is the only church that's, that's, that's doing. There's a lot of awesome churches. But as a congregation, come on, let's set ourselves to say, we're not going to be busy with activity. We're not going to be busy making ourselves feel good about being spiritual. We're going to go after God with all of our heart. We're going we're gonna to have a, an, we're gonna create an amazing family where people feel loved and they belong inside and outside these walls. And then we're just going to see what God does with that. And then we're going to pass that on to the next generation. And we're going to say, listen... This is real. This translates. This isn't some old thing. This is something that will always translate to every generation and every era that we live. God and people. And you can meet in a park. You can meet in a building. You can meet downtown. I don't care where you are. As long as there's God and there's people. It's so powerful. So I want to end with something special. And I apologize. We went a little bit long, but... um, It'll be worth it. I want to uh, invite you. We can dim the lights in the back. And I found this video. Maybe some of you have seen it. But I just feel like it was so fitting for the opportunity that we have to not only light our own relationship on fire for God, but what we get to pass on, what we get to model for the next generation. So come on, let's, let's enjoy.